Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and I just want to tell you how pleased I am to know that you are finding this podcast to be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe in whatever platform you're listening to Devotional. This way you will be notified every time a new episode gets published. And don't forget to click on the links for all the free resources to get the most out of this podcast. Also, if a specific episode has been of special blessing to you, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones. Lastly, please consider becoming a regular supporter of this podcast. Even a 99 cents a month contribution would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome once again to Devotional. We are on lesson number four, and this is day six and seven for Thursday, January 24th and Friday, January 25th. This has been very touching chapters for me. There have been times that my eyes have watered up with tears, uh, especially as I think about, you know, like the Psalms 103, Psalms 139, and all that Jesus has done for me. The idea that um, if I were to try to write down my autobiography of salvation, uh, I couldn't fit, there wouldn't be enough books to write all the details of how God used other people to lead me and impress me and impact me. And you have that same experience. That's the same reality for you. There just wouldn't be enough books to write all that God has done to save you and is doing and will do to save you. So we're now looking at the conclusion of this week and it's focusing on a tangible. Now, so far we've looked at you know Revelation, symbolic language, chapters four and five, uh, scrolls and lambs and lions, but now we finished the lesson with Pentecost. Pentecost was a real experience that we as humans got to experience, and the historical occurrence of this is uh, recorded in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Now this was not just any, just just was for the sake of uh, giving the disciples a gift of tongues so that they could proclaim the goodness of God you know, to other people. Um, this was the evidence that Jesus' sacrifice had been accepted in heaven, that he, in fact, had been the, the Lamb of God, um, innocent, without sin or blemish, that uh, his sacrifice was now accepted on behalf of every single human being. That's why Jesus could take the scroll with every single human being's history uh, written on it, front and back. Now, uh, their thought, you know, about, you know, what, what what are some of the things that could happen now that couldn't have happened before? And this is some of the, the, the thoughts that came to my mind. Everything that happened prior to the cross um, was a promise. The symbols in the sanctuary, the prophetic declarations were all promises that God would do something that would change the course of human history. And so now it happened at the cross. And now it was being accepted and verified and affirmed in heaven. Now the fullness of God's character could be rightly preached. Whereas prior to the cross, you know, prophets longed to see and understand these things. Things were not fully uh, understood. Even the prophet Daniel would say things like, I, I did not understand the vision. 
the, the vision given to me. Um, and many other prophets were also seeing glimpses here and there, but never being able to see the full picture until Jesus came. That's why Jesus could tell the disciples so many prophets and kings would, would have loved, longed to see what your eyes see and hear the things that your ears hear. You are so privileged. You're getting to see the fulfillment of all of those promises being fulfilled in me. So, after the cross, there was now a full revelation of God's character in the, through the cross of Christ. So, the character of God could be right, rightfully and most fully preached, no longer in faith of his keeping his promise, but now in the fact and assurance that he had fulfilled and kept all of his promises in Jesus. So, I want to close with a question from the quarterly itself. The question is, you know, how does all of this stuff that happened, you know, some 2,000 years ago, these abstract symbolic imageries of things that are happening in heaven, how does all of this affect my everyday situations? Things that, you know, provoke uncertainty about my future. And I thought and thought and thought of this question. And it, I realized, hold up a second. We talked about how all of this affects us, how this impacts us. You know, all the things that are ascribed to Jesus, the power, the strength, the wisdom, etc. All of those things are things that we are being lavished on. The, the, the issue is not how can I make use of all of this information. The question is why don't I? I'm going to read to you Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So in the more modern translation says, and he will direct your path. He will show you the decisions. Um, but the caveat here is in all your ways, acknowledge him. The question um, pushes right to the point of, well, what's the point of learning all of these things about Revelation? Because tomorrow I have to go to work. <laughs> I still have to pay my bills. I have to do this. I still have to do every day live in, living, going in and going out. How does this affect me? The question is, why isn't it affecting you? The, the reality is that that confronts even me is this reality. Our tendency, my tendency is not to acknowledge God in all my ways. We revise this verse in Proverbs by saying, in most of my ways, or in some of my ways, and sadly, in sometimes, if we're honest, in a very few of our ways, very few areas of our lives, we actually acknowledge God. We recognize his sovereignty. Remember how we read this in Psalms chapter uh, 103, Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget none of his benefits. All of these blessings we are prone to forget, and the psalm addresses that head on. And Proverbs chapter 3 reminds us, you do, you should. Why aren't you exploring these things to understand who it is you and I are relating to? A living Savior, a powerful Savior who has infinite power, but also infinite love you know i as i meditated on that proverb i thought of my little girl naya 
who is becoming way more dexterous with her hands now, her fingers. And she wants to play with all of her, her older sister's toys. <laughs> and she, we have Legos for her that are, you know, big enough and easy enough to put together. But she's bored with them. And I don't know really if she's bored, but she, she wants to play with the Legos her sister plays with. And they were more intricate, very small, and you have to position them in just the right way for them to fit. I think you know which ones I'm talking about. So Anaya would get two of these pieces of Legos, and you could see her. She does what I do. She sticks her little tongue out when something difficult she's trying to do. And I'm sitting right next to her, watching her struggle putting these two Legos together. And I offer, you know, I, I, Daddy, I can help you. But she is ignoring me. <laughs> she's ignoring me. But she's also perplexed and frustrated. Why don't these two just fit? I'm pressing really hard. These should come together with pressure. She doesn't understand yet. You know, you have to make them fit. And the other ones were so easy. You just block, put them together, and push them together, and they would just fit. They're designed for that. But these were just beyond her abilities, beyond her comprehension. Eventually, she stood up, threw them on the floor, and walked away and began to cry, so frustrated. So I went after her. She didn't come after me. I went after her. And I hugged her, and I kissed her, and I calmed her down. And as I was wiping her tears, I was just looking at her and let her know that he loves you. Besitos, hugs, hugs, kiss, kiss. And only one word came out of her mouth. Ayuda. Ayuda. That means help. And for me, Legos, pfft, no problem. I got Legos down. I can do these all day with my eyes closed. I want to read to you a passage, one last passage, before we close for this week's study. It's a beautiful passage. It's one of my favorites. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 35. It says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for all of us. How will he, the Father, not also with Jesus, freely give us all things? In all your ways, acknowledge him, because your Father in heaven wants to bless all your ways. 33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who has ra been raised, who intercedes for us, who sits at the right hand of God and makes intercession. 35. Therefore, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? What a question. It is a question that Paul was an expert in the Greek language. And the Greek language is a very specific language, very precise. And look at this. The question he says is, who will separate us from the love of Christ? And then he lists tribulation, distress, persecutions. You know, there's a problem with this. Either Paul is not good at grammar or he's being intentional because he says, who will separate? But he doesn't list a list of whose. He lists a list of what? Persecution is a what, not a who. Distress is what. Nakedness is what. Peril is what. Sword. Why does he ask who? 
who shall separate us from the love of God, will tribulation, etc., etc., is because there is a who. Is this adversary? Is this accuser? Is this deceiver that convinces us to think about God the wrong way so that we do not acknowledge him in all our ways? There are things that we feel that either because of mistakes we have made in the past, we are just needing to bear the brunt on our own. Because this is a mistake, this is an error of my life that I brought upon myself. I can't ask God to help me. I am on my own. That's not in the Bible. The Bible invites you to acknowledge God in all your ways because he wants to freely give you all things through Jesus. So discard the ideas that if you have brought upon yourself heartache or regrets or problems or troubles, that somehow now you are on your own. Paul says, will you let that separate you, your convictions that God has stopped loving you? You are being deceived that through this what? God no longer loves you. Who will separate you from the love of Christ? Don't listen to the deceiver. Don't let him point to distress or persecutions or perils or heartaches as evidences that somehow God must no longer love you. Because though the answer is not given, it is extremely <laughs> clear that Paul is expecting you to say nothing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ, the love of God that he has for me, and the love that Christ has for you and I. You know, my little girl was perplexed, and maybe she, <laughs> her little mind thought, if this is hard for me, it will definitely be too hard for my daddy. Why even bother? Remember earlier this week, we heard the disciples say that, who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him. They never bothered to ask Jesus to calm the storm. They were saying, hey, come help us row harder. They didn't even think that he was, he was within his capabilities of calming the sea and the wind. So they never asked. But though they never asked, Jesus still did. He still manifested his power with the hopes that as he revealed his power to calm the storms, he could also answer the question, do you love us? Do you love me? The answer is yes. I want to invite you to uh, whatever platform you're listening to look for this link. I'm going to add a link to a song that I heard long, long, long ago. Well, let me rephrase that. Not that long ago. I'm 47. Uh, when I was a teenager in the Harrisburg First Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, this is where I was first introduced to this song it's entitled, Give Them All to Jesus. Not just a few or most or none. <laughs> Give them all to Jesus. And I'm going to read to you the lyrics and the link that I'm going to put on is going to lead you to a YouTube a song that has the lyrics, but I might, you don't want me to sing. So here's what the lyrics say. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Wrap up all the shattered dreams of your life and at the feet of Jesus, lay them down. He never said you would only see sunshine. 
He never said there would be no rain. Remember what Paul says, persecutions, hardships. Jesus only promised you a heart full of singing about the very things that once caused pain. Give them all. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus. Shattered dreams, wounded hearts, broken toys. Give them all. Give them all to Jesus. And He will turn your sorrow into joy. This is the invitation that Revelation 4 and 5 presents to you today. Acknowledge Him in all your ways because He wants to bless all the ways of your life. He wants you to know that He's deeply, deeply interested in you and that He will not just reveal His power to calm the storms in your life, but through the manifestation of His power, you will also get to see His love. Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Hello, this is Pastor Ariel and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. 
Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number 10 entitled God's Everlasting Gospel, found in Revelation 14, 6 through 12. This is part one. And on this episode, we'll be focusing on the basic structure and content of the first angel's message. So, now we are in familiar territory once again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> actually, this is one of my favorite parts of the book of Revelation. And actually, I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time on this. And actually, it will probably spill over into next week. I've been preparing these episodes and I'm realizing they, they are getting quite large and I don't want to shrink them. I don't feel that there's a need to uh, cut them down because this is not a sermon. Praise the Lord. I can just chop up a little bit more and create more episodes and hopefully this will give you a more robust and panoramic view of uh, the three angels messages if you're a christian of another denomination i think this will help you understand a lot more of uh, the mission that the seventh adventist church feels compelled to be a part of and the contribution we want we want to bring to the overall christian table of the rest of our brothers and sisters from other denominations this is what we want to bring as our contribution to spreading the gospel worldwide so I'm going to read to you the first angel's message and the intro that the book of Revelation gives from Revelation 14, 6 through 7, and it says as follows. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. This is the condensation of the good news, the gospel found in the rest of the scriptures and the, in the entire Bible. It is summarized, it is condensed, it is compressed into these three statements. The everlasting gospel, the good news that never expire, that are always relevant and will always be meaningful to humanity throughout history. Here it is. And the gospel can be summarized in these three 
messages from these three angels, especially looking at the prophetic timeline in which they are to be given. We're going to spend time looking at the structure, the basic structure and the content in this episode of this first angel's message. It is a threefold appeal in this first message. The gospel in all ages has always called God, uh, God's people to respond to him in three ways. To fear him, number one. Number two, to give him glory. And number three, to worship him. Again, the good news to the gospel um, actually does not invite just Christians. It invites the entire human race to approach God and recognize that he is worthy to be feared, to be given glory, and to be worshipped. And so there's the command to the good news begin with fear God and give him glory. And then the other part that's mentioned a little bit later to worship him. But, you know, the gospel doesn't just command us for no, with no intelligent reason behind it. God is an intelligent being, and when he created us, he bestowed upon us that ability to think and reason, to exercise our intelligence. So we cannot, we should not just look at these verses and say, well, God is just telling us to do something. There is compelling evidence that God provides by which he invites us to accept this command to number one, fear him, to give God, to give him glory, to worship him. And the, the reasons why we ought to do this, the reason why every human being ought to approach God in these, in these threefold, threefold ways um, is this. There are two identities that are revealed about God in the first angel's message. There are two identifying marks that identify, that reveal who, who is this God. The first one is the statement, the hour of his judgment has come. The reason we ought to fear him and give him glory is because God is judged. And before you come to the wrong conclusion, please do not equate that because God can judge you and condemn you. Therefore, you ought to fear him and give him glory. That is not how the, the interpretation plays itself out. When we look at some expressions, and we will do that throughout this series on the three angels message of what it means that God is judged, that the hour of his judgment has come. That statement right there will compel us to fear God and to give him glory. The second reason, uh, the second identifying uh, mark that the book, this message gives about God as to why we ought to worship him is because of his creative acts. God is creator. So these three uh, appeals, these three commands to fear God to give God glory and to worship him are contingent upon us seeing, understanding, and accepting these two realities about God. God is judge and God is creator. We ought to fear God and give him glory because God is the judge, the judge of the whole earth. And we ought to worship him because he is the creator of everything that is here, including you and I. Now, as we uh, make these statements, if I was someone that was reading or hearing these for the first time, I would have a, a basic, huge question right now. A very obvious question, and maybe, maybe this question has already popped into your head. Why? Why this? And what, what, what about these expressions to fear him? That, that right there is not a very compelling reason as to why I would want to worship someone or give God glory for something. I'm terrified of you, so let me glorify you. 
um, like I said earlier, we need to be careful that we don't rush into attaching meaning and interpretation to these statements without first having looked at how these expressions are found in other parts of Scripture. But the question is valid. Why? Why should I fear God and give Him glory because He's the judge? Why should I do that? Why should I worship Him because He's the Creator? What's the reason behind this command? These are valid questions that we will begin to explore in greater depth. Right now, we have gotten familiar with the initial structure. Now we are ready in our next episode to begin to understand the meanings, the beautiful meanings that will hopefully lead us to respond with a positive yes to wanting to fear God, give Him glory, and worship Him. Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number 10 entitled God's Everlasting Gospel, found in Revelation 14, 6 through 12. This is part one. And on this episode, we'll be focusing on the basic structure and content of the first angel's message. So, now we are in familiar territory once again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> actually, this is one of my favorite parts of the book of Revelation. And actually, I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time on this. And actually, it will probably spill over into next week. I've been preparing these episodes and I'm realizing they, they are getting quite large and I don't want to shrink them. I don't feel that there's a need to uh, cut them down because this is not a sermon. Praise the Lord. I can just chop up a little bit more and create more episodes. And hopefully this will give you a more robust and panoramic view of um, the three angels' messages. If you're a Christian of another denomination, I think this will help you understand a lot more of uh, the mission that the Seventh-day Adventist Church feels compelled to be a part of and the contribution we want, we want to bring to the overall Christian table of the rest of our brothers and sisters from other denominations. This is what we want to bring as our contribution to spreading the gospel worldwide. So I'm going to read to you the first angel's message and the intro that the book of Revelation gives from Revelation 14, 6 through 7, and it says as follows. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. This is the condensation of the good news, the gospel found in the rest of the scriptures and the, in the entire Bible. It, it is summarized, it is condensed, it is compressed into these three statements. 
the everlasting gospel, the good news that never expire, that are always relevant, and will always be meaningful to humanity throughout history, here it is. And the gospel can be summarized in these three messages from these three angels, especially looking at the prophetic timeline in which they are to be given. We're going to spend time looking at the structure, the basic structure and the content in this episode of this first angel's message. It is a threefold appeal in this first message. The gospel in all ages has always called God, uh, God's people to respond to him in three ways. To fear him, number one. Number two, to give him glory. And number three, to worship him. Again, the good news to the gospel um, actually does not invite just Christians. It invites the entire human race to approach God and recognize that he is worthy to be feared, to be given glory, and to be worshipped. And so there's the command to the good news begin with fear God and give him glory. And then the other part that's mentioned a little bit later to worship him. But, you know, the gospel doesn't just command us for no, with no intelligent reason behind it. God is an intelligent being. And when he created us, he bestowed upon us that ability to think and reason to exercise our intelligence. So we cannot, we should not just look at these verses and say, well, God is just telling us to do something. There is compelling evidence that God provides by which he invites us to accept this command to, number one, fear him, to give, God, to give him glory, to worship him. And the, the reasons why we ought to do this, the reason why every human being ought to approach God in these, in these threefold, threefold ways um, is this. There are two identities that are revealed about God in the first angel's message. There are two identifying marks that identify, that reveal who, who is this God. The first one is the statement, the hour of his judgment has come. The reason we ought to fear him and give him glory is because God is judged. And before you come to the wrong conclusion, please do not equate that because God can judge you and condemn you. Therefore, you ought to fear him and give him glory. That is not how the, the interpretation plays itself out. When we look at some expressions, and we will do that throughout this series on the three angels message of what it means that God is judged, that the hour of his judgment has come. That statement right there will compel us to fear God and to give him glory. The second reason, uh, the second identifying uh, mark that the book, this message gives about God as to why we ought to worship him is because of his creative acts. God is creator. So these three uh, appeals, these three commands to fear God to give God glory and to worship him are contingent upon us seeing, understanding, and accepting these two realities about God. God is judge and God is creator. We ought to fear God and give him glory because God is the judge, the judge of the whole earth. And we ought to worship him because he is the creator of everything that is here, including you and I. Now, as we uh, make these statements, if I was someone that was reading or hearing these for the first time, I would have a, a basic, huge question right now. A very obvious question, and maybe, maybe this question has already popped into your head. Why? Why this? And what, what, what about these expressions to fear him? 
that that right there is not a very compelling reason as to why I would want to worship someone or give God glory for something. I'm terrified of you, so let me glorify you. Um, like I said earlier, we need to be careful that we don't rush into attaching meaning and interpretation to these statements without first having looked at how these expressions are found in other parts of Scripture. But the question is valid. Why? Why should I fear God and give Him glory because He's the judge? Why should I do that? Why should I worship Him because He's the Creator? What's the reason behind this command? These are valid questions that we will begin to explore in greater depth. Right now, we have gotten familiar with the initial structure. Now we are ready in our next episode to begin to understand the meanings, the beautiful meanings, that will hopefully lead us to respond with a positive yes to wanting to fear God, give Him glory, and worship Him. Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number 10 entitled God's Everlasting Gospel, found in Revelation 14, 6 through 12. This is part one. And on this episode, we'll be focusing on the basic structure and content of the first angel's message. So, now we are in familiar territory once again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> actually, this is one of my favorite parts of the book of Revelation. And actually, I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time on this. And actually, it will probably spill over into next week. I've been preparing these episodes and I'm realizing they, they are getting quite large. And I don't want to shrink them. I don't feel that there's a need to uh, cut them down because this is not a sermon. Praise the Lord. I can just chop up a little bit more and create more episodes. And hopefully this will give you a more robust and panoramic view of um, the three angels' messages. If you're a Christian of another denomination, I think this will help you understand a lot more of uh, the mission that the Seventh-day Adventist Church feels compelled to be a part of and the contribution we want, we want to bring to the overall Christian table of the rest of our brothers and sisters from other denominations. This is what we want to bring as our contribution to spreading the gospel worldwide. So I'm going to read to you the first angel's message and the intro that the book of Revelation gives from Revelation 14, 6 through 7, and it says as follows. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. This is the condensation of the good news, the gospel found in the rest of the scriptures and in the, in the entire Bible. 
it is summarized, it is condensed, it is compressed into these three statements. The everlasting gospel, the good news that never expire, that are always relevant, and will always be meaningful to humanity throughout history. Here it is. And the gospel can be summarized in these three messages from these three angels, especially looking at the prophetic timeline in which they are to be given. We're going to spend time looking at the structure, the basic structure and the content in this episode of this first angel's message. It is a threefold appeal in this first message. The gospel in all ages has always called God, uh, God's people to respond to him in three ways. To fear him, number one. Number two, to give him glory. And number three, to worship him. Again, the good news to the gospel um, actually does not invite just Christians. It invites the entire human race to approach God and recognize that he is worthy to be feared, to be given glory, and to be worshipped. And so there's the command to the good news begin with fear God and give him glory. And then the other part that's mentioned a little bit later to worship him. But, you know, the gospel doesn't just command us for no, with no intelligent reason behind it. God is an intelligent being. And when he created us, he bestowed upon us that ability to think and reason to exercise our intelligence. So we cannot, we should not just look at these verses and say, well, God is just telling us to do something. There is compelling evidence that God provides by which he invites us to accept this command to, number one, fear him, to give, God, to give him glory, to worship him. And the, the reasons why we ought to do this, the reason why every human being ought to approach God in these, in these threefold, threefold ways um, is this. There are two identities that are revealed about God in the first angel's message. There are two identifying marks that identify, that reveal who, who is this God. The first one is the statement, the hour of his judgment has come. The reason we ought to fear him and give him glory is because God is judge. And before you come to the wrong conclusion, please do not equate that because God can judge you and condemn you Therefore, you ought to fear him and give him glory. That is not how the, the interpretation plays itself out. When we look at some expressions, and we will do that throughout this series on the three angels message, of what it means that God is judge, that the hour of his judgment has come. That statement right there will compel us to fear God and to give him glory. The second reason, of uh, the second identifying uh, mark that the book, this message gives about God as to why we ought to worship him is because of his creative acts. God is creator. So these three uh, appeals, these three commands to fear God, to give God glory, and to worship him are contingent upon us seeing, understanding, and accepting these two realities about God. God is judge and God is creator. We ought to fear God and give him glory because God is the judge, the judge of the whole earth. And we ought to worship him because he is the creator of everything that is here, including you and I. Now, as we uh, make these statements, if I was someone that was reading or hearing these for the first time, I would have a, a basic, huge question right now. A very obvious question, and maybe, maybe this question has already popped into your head. Why? Why this? 
And what 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 about these expressions to fear him? That that right there is not a very compelling reason as to why I would want to worship someone or give God glory for something. I'm terrified of you, so let me glorify you. Um, like I said earlier, we need to be careful that we don't rush into attaching meaning and interpretation to these statements without first having looked at how these expressions are found in other parts of Scripture. But the question is valid. Why? Why should I fear God and give Him glory because He's the judge? Why should I do that? Why should I worship Him because He's the Creator? What's the reason behind this command? These are valid questions that we will begin to explore in greater depth. Right now, we have gotten familiar with the initial structure. Now we are ready in our next episode to begin to understand the meanings, the beautiful meanings, that will hopefully lead us to respond with a positive yes to wanting to fear God, give Him glory, and worship Him. Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number 10 entitled God's Everlasting Gospel, found in Revelation 14, 6 through 12. This is part one. And on this episode, we'll be focusing on the basic structure and content of the first angel's message. So, now we are in familiar territory once again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> actually, this is one of my favorite parts of the book of Revelation. And actually, I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time on this. And actually, it will probably spill over into next week. I've been preparing these episodes and I'm realizing they, they are getting quite large. And I don't want to shrink them. I don't feel that there's a need to uh, cut them down because this is not a sermon. Praise the Lord. I can just chop up a little bit more and create more episodes. And hopefully this will give you a more robust and panoramic view of um, the three angels' messages. If you're a Christian of another denomination, I think this will help you understand a lot more of uh, the mission that the Seventh-day Adventist Church feels compelled to be a part of and the contribution we want, we want to bring to the overall Christian table of the rest of our brothers and sisters from other denominations. This is what we want to bring as our contribution to spreading the gospel worldwide. So I'm going to read to you the first angel's message and the intro that the book of Revelation gives from Revelation 14, 6 through 7, and it says as follows. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. This is 
the condensation of the good news, the gospel found in the rest of the scriptures and the, in the entire Bible, it is summarized, it is condensed, it is compressed into these three statements. The everlasting gospel, the good news that never expire, that are always relevant and will always be meaningful to humanity throughout history. Here it is. And the gospel can be summarized in these three messages from these three angels, especially looking at the prophetic timeline in which they are to be given. We're going to spend time looking at the structure, the basic structure and the content in this episode of this first angel's message. It is a threefold appeal in this first message. The gospel in all ages has always called God, uh, God's people to respond to him in three ways. To fear him, number one. Number two, to give him glory. And number three, to worship him. Again, the good news, the gospel um, actually does not invite just Christians. It invites the entire human race to approach God and recognize that he is worthy to be feared, to be given glory, and to be worshipped. And so there's the command to the good news begin with fear God and give him glory. And then the other part that's mentioned a little bit later to worship him. But, you know, the gospel doesn't just command us for no, with no intelligent reason behind it. God is an intelligent being. And when he created us, he bestowed upon us that ability to think and reason, to exercise our intelligence. So we cannot, we should not just look at these verses and say, well, God is just telling us to do something. There is compelling evidence that God provides by which he invites us to accept this command to, number one, fear him, to give God, to give him glory, to worship him. And the, the reasons why we ought to do this, the reason why every human being ought to approach God in these, in these threefold, threefold ways um, is this. There are two identities that are revealed about God in the first angel's message. There are two identifying marks that identify, that reveal who, who is this God. The first one is the statement, the hour of his judgment has come. The reason we ought to fear him and give him glory is because God is judge. And before you come to the wrong conclusion, please do not equate that because God can judge you and condemn you. Therefore, you ought to fear him and give him glory. That is not how the, the interpretation plays itself out. When we look at some expressions, and we will do that throughout this series on the three angels message of what it means that God is judge, that the hour of his judgment has come. That statement right there will compel us to fear God and to give him glory. The second reason, of uh, the second identifying uh, mark that the book, this message gives about God as to why we ought to worship him is because of his creative acts. God is creator. So these three uh, appeals, these three commands to fear God, to give God glory and to worship him are contingent upon us seeing, understanding and accepting these two realities about God. God is judge and God is creator. We are to fear God and give him glory because God is the judge, the judge of the whole earth. And we ought to worship him because he is the creator of everything that is here, including you and I. Now, as we uh, make these statements, if I was someone that was reading or hearing these for the first time, I would have a, a basic, huge question right now. A very obvious question, and maybe 
Maybe this question has already popped into your head. Why? Why this? And what, what, what about these expressions to fear him? That, that right there is not a very compelling reason as to why I would want to worship someone or give God glory for something. I'm terrified of you, so let me glorify you. Um, like I said earlier, we need to be careful that we don't rush into attaching meaning and interpretation to these statements without first having looked at how these expressions are found in other parts of Scripture. But the question is valid. Why? Why should I fear God and give Him glory because He is the judge? Why should I do that? Why should I worship Him because He is the Creator? What's the reason behind this command? These are valid questions that we will begin to explore in greater depth. Right now, we have gotten familiar with the initial structure. Now we are ready in our next episode to begin to understand the meanings, the beautiful meanings, that will hopefully lead us to respond with a positive yes to wanting to fear God, give Him glory, and worship Him. Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number 10 entitled God's Everlasting Gospel, found in Revelation 14, 6 through 12. This is part one. And on this episode, we'll be focusing on the basic structure and content of the first angel's message. So, now we are in familiar territory once again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> actually, this is one of my favorite parts of the book of Revelation. And actually, I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time on this. And actually, it will probably spill over into next week. I've been preparing these episodes and I'm realizing they, they are getting quite large. And I don't want to shrink them. I don't feel that there's a need to uh, cut them down because this is not a sermon. Praise the Lord. I can just chop up a little bit more and create more episodes. And hopefully this will give you a more robust and panoramic view of um, the three angels' messages. If you're a Christian of another denomination, I think this will help you understand a lot more of uh, the mission that the Seventh-day Adventist Church feels compelled to be a part of and the contribution we want, we want to bring to the overall Christian table of the rest of our brothers and sisters from other denominations. This is what we want to bring as our contribution to spreading the gospel worldwide. So I'm going to read to you the first angel's message and the intro that the book of Revelation gives from Revelation 14, 6 through 7, and it says as follows. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. This is 
the condensation of the good news, the gospel found in the rest of the scriptures and the, in the entire Bible, it is summarized, it is condensed, it is compressed into these three statements. The everlasting gospel, the good news that never expire, that are always relevant and will always be meaningful to humanity throughout history. Here it is. And the gospel can be summarized in these three messages from these three angels, especially looking at the prophetic timeline in which they are to be given. We're going to spend time looking at the structure, the basic structure and the content in this episode of this first angel's message. It is a threefold appeal in this first message. The gospel in all ages has always called God, uh, God's people to respond to him in three ways. To fear him, number one. Number two, to give him glory. And number three, to worship him. Again, the good news to the gospel um, actually does not invite just Christians. It invites the entire human race to approach God and recognize that he is worthy to be feared, to be given glory, and to be worshipped. And so there's the command to the good news begin with fear God and give him glory. And then the other part that's mentioned a little bit later to worship him. But, you know, the gospel doesn't just command us for no, with no intelligent reason behind it. God is an intelligent being. And when he created us, he bestowed upon us that ability to think and reason to exercise our intelligence. So we cannot, we should not just look at these verses and say, well, God is just telling us to do something. There is compelling evidence that God provides by which he invites us to accept this command to, number one, fear him, to give God, to give him glory, to worship him. And the, the reasons why we ought to do this, the reason why every human being ought to approach God in these, in these threefold, threefold ways um, is this. There are two identities that are revealed about God in the first angel's message. There are two identifying marks that identify, that reveal who, who is this God. The first one is the statement, the hour of his judgment has come. The reason we ought to fear him and give him glory is because God is judge. And before you come to the wrong conclusion, please do not equate that because God can judge you and condemn you. Therefore, you ought to fear him and give him glory. That is not how the, the interpretation plays itself out. When we look at some expressions, and we will do that throughout this series on the three angels message of what it means that God is judge, that the hour of his judgment has come. That statement right there will compel us to fear God and to give him glory. The second reason, uh, the second identifying uh, mark that the book, this message gives about God as to why we ought to worship him is because of his creative acts. God is creator. So these three uh, appeals, these three commands to fear God, to give God glory and to worship him are contingent upon us seeing, understanding and accepting these two realities about God. God is judge and God is creator. We are to fear God and give him glory because God is the judge, the judge of the whole earth. And we ought to worship him because he is the creator of everything that is here, including you and I. Now, as we uh, make these statements, if I was someone that was reading or hearing these for the first time, I would have a, a basic, huge question right now. 
a very obvious question and maybe maybe this question has already popped into your head why why this and what 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 about these expressions to fear him that that right there is not a very compelling reason as to why i would want to worship someone or give god glory for something i'm terrified of you so let me glorify you um, like i said earlier we need to be careful that we don't rush into attaching meaning and interpretation to these statements without first having looked at how these expressions are found in other parts of scripture but the question is valid why why should i fear god and give him glory because he's the judge why should i do that why should i worship him because he's the creator what's the reason behind this command these are valid questions that we will begin to explore in greater depth right now we have gotten familiar with the initial structure now we are ready in our next episode to begin to understand the meanings the beautiful meanings that will hopefully lead us to respond with a positive yes to wanting to fear god give him glory and worship him once again to devotional this is pastor ariel we are on lesson number 10 entitled god's everlasting gospel found in revelation 14 6 through 12 this is part one and on this episode we'll be focusing on the basic structure and content of the first angel's message so now we are in familiar territory once again praise the lord <laughs> actually this is one of my favorite parts of the book of revelation and actually i'm going to be spending quite a bit of time on this and actually it will probably spill over into next week i've been preparing these episodes and i'm realizing they they're getting quite large and i don't want to shrink them i don't feel that there's a need to uh, cut them down because this is not a sermon praise the lord i can just chop up a little bit more and create more episodes and hopefully this will give you a more robust and panoramic view of uh, the three angels messages if you're a christian of another denomination i think this will help you understand a lot more of uh, the mission that the seventh-day adventist church feels compelled to be a part of and the contribution we want we want to bring to the overall christian table of the rest of our brothers and sisters from other denominations this is what we want to bring as our contribution to spreading the gospel worldwide so I'm going to read to you the first angel's message and the intro that the book of Revelation gives from Revelation 14, 6 through 7, and it says as follows. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea 
and springs of water. This is the condensation of the good news, the gospel found in the rest of the scriptures and in the, in the entire Bible. It is summarized, it is condensed, it is compressed into these three statements. The everlasting gospel, the good news that never expire, that are always relevant and will always be meaningful to humanity throughout history. Here it is. And the gospel can be summarized in these three messages from these three angels, especially looking at the prophetic timeline in which they are to be given. We're going to spend time looking at the structure, the basic structure and the content in this episode of this first angel's message. It is a threefold appeal in this first message. The gospel in all ages has always called God, uh, God's people to respond to him in three ways. To fear him, number one. Number two, to give him glory. And number three, to worship him. Again, the good news, the gospel, um, actually does not invite just Christians. It invites the entire human race to approach God and recognize that he is worthy to be feared, to be given glory, and to be worshipped. And so there's the command to the good news begin with fear God and give him glory. And then the other part that's mentioned a little bit later to worship him. But, you know, the gospel doesn't just command us for no, with no intelligent reason behind it. God is an intelligent being. And when he created us, he bestowed upon us that ability to think and reason to exercise our intelligence. So we cannot, we should not just look at these verses and say, well, God is just telling us to do something. There is compelling evidence that God provides by which he invites us to accept this command to, number one, fear him, to give God, to give him glory, to worship him. And the, the reasons why we ought to do this, the reason why every human being ought to approach God in these, in these threefold, threefold ways um, is this. There are two identities that are revealed about God in the first angel's message. There are two identifying marks that identify, that reveal who, who is this God. The first one is the statement, the hour of his judgment has come. The reason we ought to fear him and give him glory is because God is judge. And before you come to the wrong conclusion, please do not equate that because God can judge you and condemn you. Therefore, you ought to fear him and give him glory. That is not how the, the interpretation plays itself out. When we look at some expressions, and we will do that throughout this series on the three angels message of what it means that God is judged, that the hour of his judgment has come. That statement right there will compel us to fear God and to give him glory. The second reason, uh, the second identifying uh, mark that the book, this message gives about God as to why we ought to worship him is because of his creative acts. God is creator. So these three uh, appeals, these three commands to fear God, to give God glory and to worship him are contingent upon us seeing, understanding and accepting these two realities about God. God is judge and God is creator. We are to fear God and give him glory because God is the judge, the judge of the whole earth. And we ought to worship him because he is the creator of everything that is here, including you and I. Now, as we uh, make these statements, if I was someone that was reading or hearing these for the first time, I would have a, a basic, huge question right now. 
a very obvious question and maybe maybe this question has already popped into your head why why this and what 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 about these expressions to fear him that that right there is not a very compelling reason as to why i would want to worship someone or give god glory for something i'm terrified of you so let me glorify you um, like i said earlier we need to be careful that we don't rush into attaching meaning and interpretation to these statements without first having looked at how these expressions are found in other parts of scripture but the question is valid why why should i fear god and give him glory because he's the judge why should i do that why should i worship him because he's the creator what's the reason behind this command these are valid questions that we will begin to explore in greater depth right now we have gotten familiar with the initial structure now we are ready in our next episode to begin to understand the meanings the beautiful meanings that will hopefully lead us to respond with a positive yes to wanting to fear god give him glory and worship him Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number 10 entitled God's Everlasting Gospel, found in Revelation 14, 6 through 12. This is part one. And on this episode, we'll be focusing on the basic structure and content of the first angel's message. So, now we are in familiar territory once again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> actually, this is one of my favorite parts of the book of Revelation. And actually, I'm going to be spending quite a bit of time on this. And actually, it will probably spill over into next week. I've been preparing these episodes and I'm realizing they, they are getting quite large. And I don't want to shrink them. I don't feel that there's a need to uh, cut them down because this is not a sermon. Praise the Lord. I can just chop up a little bit more and create more episodes and hopefully this will give you a more robust and panoramic view of um, the three angels messages if you're a christian of another denomination i think this will help you understand a lot more of uh, the mission that the seventh Adventist church feels compelled to be a part of and the contribution we want we want to bring to the overall christian table of the rest of our brothers and sisters from other denominations this is what we want to bring as our contribution to spreading the gospel worldwide so I'm going to read to you the first angel's message and the intro that the book of Revelation gives from Revelation 14, 6 through 7, and it says as follows. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea 
and springs of water. This is the condensation of the good news, the gospel found in the rest of the scriptures, in the, in the entire Bible. It is summarized, it is condensed, it is compressed into these three statements. The everlasting gospel, the good news that never expire, that are always relevant, and will always be meaningful to humanity throughout history. Here it is. And the gospel can be summarized in these three messages from these three angels, especially looking at the prophetic timeline in which they are to be given. We're going to spend time looking at the structure, the basic structure and the content in this episode of this first angel's message. It is a threefold appeal in this first message. The gospel in all ages has always called God, uh, God's people to respond to him in three ways. To fear him, number one. Number two, to give him glory. And number three, to worship him. Again, the good news to the gospel um, actually does not invite just Christians. It invites the entire human race to approach God and recognize that he is worthy to be feared, to be given glory, and to be worshipped. And so there's the command to the good news begin with fear God and give him glory. And then the other part that's mentioned a little bit later to worship him. But, you know, the gospel doesn't just command us for no, with no intelligent reason behind it. God is an intelligent being. And when he created us, he bestowed upon us that ability to think and reason to exercise our intelligence. So we cannot, we should not just look at these verses and say, well, God is just telling us to do something. There is compelling evidence that God provides by which he invites us to accept this command to, number one, fear him, to give God, to give him glory, to worship him. And the, the reasons why we ought to do this, the reason why every human being ought to approach God in these, in these threefold, threefold ways um, is this. There are two identities that are revealed about God in the first angel's message. There are two identifying marks that identify, that reveal who, who is this God. The first one is the statement, the hour of his judgment has come. The reason we ought to fear him and give him glory is because God is judge. And before you come to the wrong conclusion, please do not equate that because God can judge you and condemn you. Therefore, you ought to fear him and give him glory. That is not how the, the interpretation plays itself out. When we look at some expressions, and we will do that throughout this series on the three angels message of what it means that God is judged, that the hour of his judgment has come. That statement right there will compel us to fear God and to give him glory. The second reason, uh, the second identifying uh, mark that the book, this message gives about God as to why we ought to worship him is because of his creative acts. God is creator. So these three uh, appeals, these three commands to fear God to give God glory and to worship him are contingent upon us seeing, understanding, and accepting these two realities about God. God is judge and God is creator. We are to fear God and give him glory because God is the judge, the judge of the whole earth. And we ought to worship him because he is the creator of everything that is here, including you and I. Now, as we uh, make these statements, if I was someone that was reading or hearing these for the first time, I would have a, a basic, huge question right now. 
a very obvious question and maybe maybe this question has already popped into your head why why this and what 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 about these expressions to fear him that that right there is not a very compelling reason as to why i would want to worship someone or give god glory for something i'm terrified of you so let me glorify you um, like i said earlier we need to be careful that we don't rush into attaching meaning and interpretation to these statements without first having looked at how these expressions are found in other parts of scripture but the question is valid why why should i fear god and give him glory because he's the judge why should i do that why should I worship him because he's the creator? What's the reason behind this command? These are valid questions that we will begin to explore in greater depth. Right now, we have gotten familiar with the initial structure. Now we are ready in our next episode to begin to understand the meanings, the beautiful meanings that will hopefully lead us to respond with a positive yes to wanting to fear God, give him glory, and worship him. This is Pastor Ariel and it has been a while I have been out of the country to El Salvador and I have come with special treats, spiritual treats for all of us. Uh, I have interviewed several of the people that have gone there. I wish I could have gotten every single person, all 152 volunteers I believe it was in total. Um, but I was unfortunately not able to interview every single person. But I did try to get some and I pray that their stories will be a blessing for you on this special edition of Devotional. Alright, uh, we're on the bus right now to BVS. What's the name of the school, Pastor Joe, that we're going to? Casaltepeque. Casaltepeque, and uh, we've been going there for the past uh, five days, four days. This is our last day there. Um, and Pastor Joe, you've been leading out in BVS here in El Salvador during this mission trip. Um, tell us, what, have been, what has been some of the things, the highlights for you this week? Uh, well, um, just the interactions with the kids, um, singing with them. I think that's probably, for me personally, one of the big highlights is hearing them sing to the top of their lungs. Yeah. One of the schools, 300, all in one room. It's unbelievable. Amen. Same, same for me here, uh, hearing the kids sing. Now, you're part of a larger pastoral group. Uh, what church are you representing? Village Church in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Now, uh, Pastor Ron, he's the one, one of the leaders coordinating this trip. Um, how did you end up being the leader of the Vacation Bible School for the kids? <laughs> That's a very, very good question. <laughs> did you raise your hand going, me, 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 me? <laughs> no. I think it was assumed the whole time. Since I'm the young pastor on staff, I take care of the kids, children's ministries, and youth, I guess. All right. Yeah. So you, you were assigned. Yeah, and I, I also do the... Vacation Bible School at the Village Church every summer. 
and with the team that I helped lead it out. And uh, in Montana, we do one every summer also. So I guess this I'll be doing three this summer, this year. Three vacation Bible schools. Yeah. Now, the time here in El Salvador has gone by fast. Um, if someone was listening to this, another young person, um, and they were thinking about doing something like this, um, what would you say to them if they were contemplating coming to a mission trip? A young person is out there listening to this and thinking, oh, that's for these kind of people or that kind of people. What, what kind of people do you think should come to a mission trip like this? Well, on this mission trip, we have about every kind of people. We have 152, and so we have all personalities and all types on their spiritual journey. So there's people here that are newly baptized. There's people here that are several generation Adventists. There's people here that are not Adventists yet. We even have some uh, Mormons and Baptists on this mission trip. Well, Mormons, wow. Yeah, one Mormon. Um, so, uh, but in each, each person that's on it, I'm seeing this trip move them ahead spiritually because in America, we're so self-centered. It's all about ourselves, and we have to get out of that, and we have to open up our hearts and let our hearts break for the needs of people in this world. So would, would you say that there are any, any kind of qualifications someone would have in order to think of themselves, you know, this, this would be something good for me or this is something that I should be doing? Yes, you need to have a willing heart. And uh, if, you're, if you're willing to serve and put yourself out there and follow the directions in a group that's about all it takes because any skills that you have you can find a place for them to be used and to bless people in this place and so you mentioned that uh you know if anybody comes here they're, they're going to grow somehow god's going to use his experience to move them forward that's the expression that you use how have you grown through this mission trip what, what has god helped you move forward in uh, this is my first time in El Salvador, and um, it's been very, very busy. Um, I've been going to bed late and getting up early, though, to still spend time with God in the morning, because if I'm not connected with Him, all this work is futile. Um, so I've been very blessed by the different worships that we have together. It's probably oh, yeah. part of my favorite part of this trip is our morning and evening worship, singing together and... Uh, I've, I've grown in understanding and then in my relationships with people. I mean, I sat on the bus for four hours yesterday with people, and I got to sit by the conference president from Indiana and become friends with him. And so not only growing with God, but growing with his people and the relationships that way, too. Amen. So you're mentioning that you've been struggling, being very busy, getting up early in the mornings. I'm thinking that's going to get easier for you in the coming months. <laughs> Well, probably not. Uh, my Why wife. Would that be, <laughs> my wife and I have a lovely surprise coming. We already have a 14-month baby, but uh, in six months she is due for another one. We are, and so we'll have two two young babies at home. And so people have been, you know, trying to make sure I don't sleep too well here in El Salvador, so I don't get too used to sleeping before going back home. That, that's right. We kind of offered you to wake you up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning to kind of get you back in shape, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're thankful that the Lord is preparing you for further mission trips through this new package that's going to be coming in a couple of months to your house. This baby is going to keep you in tip-top shape, you know, with the discipline of spending time with the Lord. If someone was listening to this, Pastor Joe, and felt that I'm not spiritual enough, I don't think I'm up there as a missionary, 
what would be some closing thoughts that you would say to someone that is struggling with that, that feeling like, I just don't fit, I'm not holy enough or spiritual enough? What would you say to that person? I would say this is the very medication, spiritual medication you need is to get out and serve other people. Um, you don't have to be, you don't have to have all the answers or all the solutions. If you want to serve God and you want, you have a desire to grow and to be with him, when you get out and you love people, your love for God grows. I mean, First John tells us, if, if you say that you love God, but you don't love people, you're a liar. So there's a very, very strong connection between how our heart responds to people and how our heart responds to God. And so when you come on a trip and your heart is opened up in the way you're relating to people and you're feeling things you haven't felt in a very long time, if ever, your heart is at the same time opening up to God because there's such a close connection with how we relate to people and how we relate to God. That's that's what those two commandments go hand in hand. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. You can't have one with the other. And I guess mission trips help us to connect with God by getting us to connect with people. Well, they can if it's a spiritual mission trip with spiritual leadership. I mean, there can be, there can be mission trips too where the attitude is we're just on vacation. But, uh, yeah, if, if you're with spiritual leadership and it's, it's a well-organized mission trip with the right focus, it's going to be a huge blessing for you. So if you're listening to this, um, I would like to, for you to take what Pastor Joe has just told you to heart. If the fact that you're listening to this is probably evidence that God is calling you to do something like this as well. So I'm going to be interviewing some other members. Joe, thank you for um, being willing to do this in five seconds. <laughs> no problem. And uh, thank you for coming on the mission trip with us. It's been a great time. We won't ever forget. Amen, brother. Amen.